Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens Show 222, and I'm Chris, and with me today is... I am Matt. And we are, we want to wish you, everybody, who are listeners, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, this will be our last episode of the year, and we're recording it on December 21st, 2022. So uh, you will not be hearing from us until next year. Just to give you a little recap of what's going on, we uh, did 22 episodes this year. Nice. Little short of my goal, I try to do two episodes a month to have 24 episodes, but we did 22 episodes. But uh, November and December have, and well, frankly, from the middle of October to, to now has been incredibly, incredibly busy for both me and Matt. And I think that's uh, contributed to not getting those extra two episodes in this year, but we will do our best to do so next year. Also, we're not going to recap our predictions, our prognostications from last year, partly because I don't want to go back and listen to that episode from 12 months ago and then go. But I can predict again that Trump will be uh, victorious once again, as I always do. I always <laughs> say Trump will, will win. But uh, I'm not going to talk about kind of politics today. But, uh, you know, the uh, I will say this. I have some goals for next year again 24 podcasts in total um whether they're all in the same month or there there's two a month or there's three or four in a month and you know one in the next month that might be how it works just because of schedules i also want to get some more video content up there so uh you're going to see um some content with me and matt where we're going to review some products you're going to see some technical content and that'll be on the gizmo sapiens uh, YouTube channel, uh, and then uh, you know I, I <clears throat> want to get more of the Gizmo Sapiens gang involved again this year. Get Dr. Sean back to uh, talk about the automobile industry. Get some of our other co-hosts, so maybe some new co-hosts. I also want to try to get uh, uh, T.D. Wilson. Uh, an author friend of mine who has been many years ago, we, we talked about his books, but he's recently uh, won an award and written a short new short story in his uh, science fiction uh, trilogy, or, well, it was a trilogy, and now he has a short story that's part of that. Uh, and I'd like to get him back on the show. So, Tracy, if you're listening, you're on the hook, man. Um, <clears throat> but let's get on with the show. So we're going to start it off with, since this is going to be a catch-all show for the, for the end of the year, with uh, some entertainment and, uh, and uh, pop culture talk. And so I want to talk about, I start off with Star Trek Prodigy. I don't know if you've been keeping up with it. I have. Um, so I thought the first six episodes, because remember, they, they split it up. So you had the first six episodes at the beginning of the year, kind of because the, it was filling a gap between two of the major, uh, between Discovery and Picard, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think. And um, then, then you know, in the fall, they started airing the next six episodes. And I understand the first six episodes, they needed to introduce the characters and some motivations and, you know, that whole character development thing. But the real story started 
when they came back with episode seven. And now we understand, we actually, that, and that's what kind of baffles me is the motivations of what's going on. You don't get that in the first six episodes. But in the, the seventh through 12 episodes, now they haven't aired the last two. One will air tomorrow night or tomorrow. And the next one is supposed to, the season finale is supposed to air on the 29th. Um, but it has been phenomenal. Uh, the the it, it's more like to me it's more like a real Star Trek show. I, I don't know if I'd say phenomenal, but it's been better. Uh, I was not a fan after the first six. I was actually well. I was. Do I even want to continue watching this show? Yeah. After the first six, um, but I think the the story that we're seeing now is is one that's worth. Some some time investment. Well, let me put it. Do you think it's better than the last season of Discovery? Um, it's I, at least on par. It's better. <laughs> There's fewer story or story holes and and weird. Well, story that's arcs. a low bar. Yeah, I know it is. But uh, I I actually have thought because I've, I've rewatched a couple of the episodes, um, but I've enjoyed the the uh, the last six episodes, and it would keep me watching the show into the next season. Um, which is kind of funny because I mean the show isn't targeted for us, but I I also think that it's the first six shows were too simplistic uh, to keep younger kids who you're introducing into Star Trek. But the reason is because of that demographic that they were trying to reach and the characters that they were trying to introduce are a sim- more simplistic set of characters than than what. You and I uh, initially are expecting. They finally filled them out some, but you know, even the story arcs were very. Now I, I will say this: so, out of nostalgia, I have gone back and downloaded because uh, you can't buy them uh, off of YouTube and other things. Uh, you know, stream some of them off of YouTube and it, where I can find them. Shows like. Uh, the cartoon mask mm-hmm. and you know I do have the DVD box set of G.I. Joe a real American hero and I've watched some of those again those aren't too bad but some of those shows that I thought were great as a kid are unwatchable as an adult now I know why my parents you know would say how can you watch that drivel because it is drivel uh, Voltron is like that. I oh can't yeah, wa- I can't watch that at all now. When I was a kid, man, that I, was you never show. missed an episode. No. And what makes Voltron bad is the bad guys, well, yeah. and that's the same thing in GI Joe: American, Real American Hero. The only difference is is that Cobra Commander is kind of humorous, <laughs> <laughs> whereas in Voltron, there it's just yeah, it's like it's just bad. Um, but I don't get that even with the first six episodes. I did not feel like, because I have gone and rewatched a couple of those too. I did not feel like those were as bad as some of those shows we watched as a kid. Um, they have better storylines and things like that, but they're much more simplistic than the storylines. Because the issue was is that one of the things that's different between about Prodigy from every other Star Trek series is that it is a single storyline from beginning to end. There's not Typically in an episode, you don't have the thing that they introduced in, in TNG where you had the main story arc and then you had a couple of sub-story arcs and that way they got all the characters involved in an episode. Or, or at least you got some character development 
out of all the characters in an episode. But you're only talking about a roughly a half hour, so you don't really have time for all of that. Yeah, but it, it's still, it's still the the uh, Trek way on every other show. So you know that I think that's what contributed a lot to the simplified storylines in the first six episodes, and to some degree. Some of that needed to happen to get to seven to where they actually have a real and interesting storyline that I, I think not only ke- uh, captures adults' attention, but would capture kids' intent, uh, attention. You know, and, and they've covered some interesting things like, um, you know, unregulated genetic manipulation. What kid's going to understand? That's what I... I yeah. I, I, there's, there's, a, there's a, a level of, of stuff happening in the, the back the back nine mm-hmm. that, that uh, is a bit more sophisticated and you can tell that they focus grouped the first six. Correct. And then they, and they were like, OMG, ooh. we're in trouble. Yep. We better fix this or we're, we're not going to, we're not going to be a show. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I've been impressed with it. I, I will continue to watch it because let me ask you this. Uh-huh. Do you think there are kids actually watching this show? Well, it is broadcast on Nickelodeon, which is owned by Paramount as well as on Paramount Plus. Um, I think there is a demographic of kids who are watching the show, but I think the reality of it is is there's more adults watching it than there are kids. Which begs the question, does it have sustainability? Well, and that's why I think they've changed from the first six episodes to the next six. Well, uh, what I'm getting at, though, is is that are we going to continue to pretend that this is a kid's show or are we going to start recognizing that this is going to have to be treated like a legitimate I think show? I think they're going to start having to treat it. It will no longer be considered just a kid's show. I think they're going to always say it is a kid show, but you know, if you go back and you look, but the, and I'd be curious to see how it performs against other kid shows. Yeah, even on too. Nickelodeon, I would too. I, I'd like to see those numbers. Just, I don't. I, I've been saying this all along. I don't mind the idea of uh, of producing a show in the Star Trek universe that's aimed at kids. I object if it's not serving our purpose yeah and that purpose well, is is to bring in a new generation, generation. Of and fans. i i think it possibly would though um because if you get parents who will watch the show with their kids their kids will continue to watch it because it's something they're doing that's originally what happened with the original star trek to a large degree is that you know parents watched it and their kids were there and it wasn't a completely objectionable show yeah you know, because Star Trek was not the Dick Van Dyke show either. Oh, uh, no. You know. No. But, the, you know, what, what I find, kind of moving on from Prodigy. Sure. Um, what I find interesting, so I was going through my DVR, <clears throat> which I, I tend to DVR shows and then watch them later. Or I wait until, like if they do a weekly show, I'll wait until three or four episodes build up and I will go back and watch them all. I don't typically do that with the Star Trek shows. Um, 
But one of the things that's interesting, and I've looked, tried to look this up. So my DVR actually has the uh, the uh, you know, that's how I know all the dates for the end of Prodigy, and there's no Star Trek show starting until March when Picard season three picks up, according to my DVR. If there were something immediately happening on uh, like the next season of Discovery, which would make sense because usually Discovery happens in the fall and then ends when Prodigy ends, it would show up in the DVR because it would say, even though I stream the show, my DVR actually gives me the stream link and then it just opens the Paramount app. Um, the wonder of open source technology. Amazing. But um, let me go back here for a minute. And I will look because this up. Didn't Paramount promise us Star Trek? 365 days of the year. Well, at least 52 weeks a yeah. year. Yeah. Or 50 weeks a year. Yeah. Oops. Although I think Prodigy does kind of... Uh, screw with the the schedule a little bit that that mid-season break was either not planned for or I don't know I that to me is still I'm I'm still confused by by the schedule for for Prodigy I don't I don't get yeah that. I don't understand the mid-season break I, I guess what they were thinking is that Prodigy would be the summer thing when kids are on vacation. When they're in school, it wouldn't happen or it wouldn't start up until it got to be more holiday time when kids could watch it. I I don't know if that was their thinking or or what. I don't know. I, I the logic of of children's programming is somewhat eludes me. Well, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, we grew up in a time when things were very predictable um, from that respect of, of, of school. And summertime was always a dearth of, because they thought, well, we'll rerun reruns because kids will be outside. And uh, today you get lots of new shows that start in the summertime. Uh, but also, we don't get the 22 and 24 episode seasons that we used to get in television shows. For some reason, uh, when we moved to the the streaming model, we adopted European, specifically English, British model. Yeah, the whole BBC model of where you might get fourteen at the most in a season. Yeah, and usually it's like ten or twelve. And again, I don't mind that if uh, if it's a a show that's got good solid writing from from top to bottom. And so each of those twelve are are worthy. Now, Strange New Worlds, I would like to see Strange New Worlds go back on the the U.S. model broadcast model. Yes, because I got to the end of of that and was like okay I want more yes I did too particularly after the last two episodes indeed with Hemet 
you know, and his death, and then the uh, alternate, you know, Chris Pike. I I loved how that that played out. And Balance of Terror is my favorite TOS episode. So yeah. I, I mean, to to get a a a fresh look at at that episode was amazing. I agree. Again, it's about fan service for a lot of these shows, and that's you got to do it in a, in a way that's engaging. Strange New Worlds managed to do that. Yeah. I totally agree with you there. I totally agree with you there. Have we talked any about Picard Season 3? Uh, no, we have not yet. Because I worry about fan service elements in that. Are we doing Picard Season 3 because we've been screaming, oh, we need a Next Generation reunion show? rather than a continuation of the Picard story that, that like, matters. Yeah. And I don't mean Jean-Luc Picard. I mean the show of Picard. I mean, we've already lost some some characters that you and I both, well, Chris Rios aside, uh, the rest of the characters that we've lost on that show are good riddance. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you in that sense, you know. Um, my problem with with the whole Picard series um, has been that the show is, a, in, in many ways, very self-serving. Mm-hmm. And they're adding characters in just because of that, cl- that fan, a subset of fans. I don't think... Real fans would, they know that that Picard and Data and Riker and Troy and Jordy and they had their time. Um, I don't know that th- it's nice to see them again, but I don't know that that's a driving factor for an entire season. an entire season, and that's what season three it could very well turn out. I I mean. It would be great if if, if, to what P- I was, if was Picard season at. three turns into the Riker Titan show, and then they dump everybody but Riker and, and Troy. <laughs> but um, you know, but the only reason I bring that up that way is because that has been one of the things that they've talked about. You know, is that oh we might do a Riker show, but I don't know that that's a Jonathan Frakes. He might be the director. But, you know, they've also talked about that might be where Will Wheaton gets his break and he gets yeah. to be a younger Riker. Because in, 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 in reality, he looks a lot like Jonathan Frakes when he... Right. Oh, no, he does. I, I, I'm totally with you. And I would even support that. And I, I can't stand Will Wheaton. Um, for one, that would mean that they'd probably have to recast who runs the ready room, which would suit me a thousand times. I'm sorry. Picard starts on February 16th, season three. So we basically have a month of January that's like, what's going on? Nothing. Yeah. But when I go out, I mean, I'm looking through my scheduler. So episode six is March 30th. Uh, April 6th is, is episode eight. There's nine. Okay, so Picard's going to run from February through the end of April. 
April 20th is the last, according to the schedule. Um, but there's nothing else. I mean, I go through the summer. I'm now into the fall. And so there's, there's no Star Trek there. So I guess it's not as bad. I thought it was a two-month hiatus, but I guess it's a one-month. And, and probably farther out, we're going to get more information. But my curiosity, since I've, I've tried to Google it and everything else, is have they realized that Discovery's kind of run its course? You know? Well, you, it, haven't, is, is you, it, you haven't heard, uh, oh, uh, we're renewing for season six already, even though five hasn't even aired yet. Exactly. Which is what we've heard the last well two seasons. Well, and I mean, uh, Strange New Worlds, which the second season, before it even premiered, they had said second season is renewed, and they've already said the third season is renewed. Yeah. And and so, you know, my my... I wonder because uh, Paramount still has uh, has several of the actors from Discovery on, you know, like uh, what's her face who plays Georgiou? Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh. Um, if that is actually secretly under production, which is what I would do, <laughs> because her character was very popular, you know. Well, the, the Empress. The Empress was popular. The captain, not so much. No, I, I'm talking. Yeah, no, the only Giorgio that 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 matters. matters is Empress Giorgio. And you know why she kind of matters? It's because she's more like a real person. Oh, and that show of, really of, of, of a show that has all these characters, where not one of the and this is you know we've talked about this in the past about about Discovery. Um, for you and me, there's not really a character to identify with. Um, well, Harry Mudd. Yeah, Harry Mudd. <laughs> Lorca. <laughs> Lorca. Ash. To a, to Ash a lesser Tyler. degree. Yeah. Uh, but when, I'm more when, I, I'm more a Lorca, Harry Mudd guy for that show. You're right. Yeah. Um, or Christopher Pike in the second season. But we have Strange New Worlds for that. But even outside of Pike and Strange New Worlds, there, I, I identified with the Hemmert character a lot, particularly about kind of his mysticism, Zen-type engineering, mm -hmm. you know, and and and, uh, and and that will be interesting too in Strange New Worlds is you know because there we know that Scotty is in the timeline and he was an engineer or he was part of the crew yeah. under Pike at some point. Um, but we're getting Carol Kane, I think, is the next engineer, which will be yes. interesting. That will actually be very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops. Yeah. Because she's an amazing actress. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to see how that works out. And, and uh, But, you know, they're doing cool things, and they're getting – they're bringing people on, even though it might they know um, – it might only be for a season or so, but they're bringing cool people into play. Whereas Discovery, Jet Reno was great when they first introduced her in the second season, but as a character, I, I don't need her coming on and making some quippy remarks and then not really being an engineer. Yeah. You know, that's not, Star Trek's not Star Wars. <laughs> 
Star Trek is science fiction. Star Wars is wagon is actually more like a western in space, set set in space. Look at the whole Cad Bane uh, arc. Yeah. You know. And uh, and everything, but it, I I I'm just I'm it's a head scratcher on some of it. Lower Decks was great this last season, although I thought second season was better than the third season. I but there I, were episodes in the yeah. third season that were phenomenal. Yeah, I, I really kind of felt like Lower Decks really hit its stride in the third season. Yeah. You know, and and, and uh, as much as I complain about Picard, it's much better. I, I actually, I, I when we do, uh, you know, and I'm a super, I, I, if you haven't figured it out, I, Matt's a Star Trek fan. I'm a super Star Trek fan. <laughs> you know, Um I'm a super fan, but I, I I like my Star Trek a certain way. Okay, I'm an Uber fan. Then. You're a super fan of an Uber fan. <laughs> but it, I, I, to a large degree, all Trek is good Trek, except in my mind, I can pass a second season of Discovery. I can't stand that show. It's so bad that I don't know if I'm going to watch the next season. Because, one, you have all these characters – that are meaningless, and but they give them all names that you're supposed to remember because they keep bringing them back. And then in uh, one episode in a season, in a 10-episode season, they will actually have something to do. The other thing that's happening with Discovery, in addition to the Section 51 show with, yeah. with Giorgio and potentially Ash Tyler, Tyler. Yeah. is the Starfleet Academy show with, 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 Captain Killy. Yeah, Captain <laughs> Killy. That's and that's that's it too, you know. Discovery might need to just move on to these other shows. I'm actually hoping that Prodigy See how I'm looping the background? Please. Uh Prodigy becomes a little bit of a Starfleet Academy show after they resolve this arc for this first season. You know, what are what are these kids going to do? They can't they they can't continue to go around in a prototype Starfleet starship that's out of time. Well, this goes back to the same problem that Voyager had, and that's what this show is. Mm-hmm. Let's not kid each other. No, this it's is. just an extension of Voyager. From, Look at from from the from the theme uh, all the way through. It's 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 Voyager. well, the fact that you have hologram Janeway, Captain Janeway, Ch- Chakotay, Chakotay, Admiral Janeway, <laughs> you know, and but one of the things that they if they resolve this issue then that should be the show. Yeah. Because that's that's like that's like Voyager going all the way to the Delta Quadrant. The the, the show was how do you get him back? Here if they figure out how to how to get him to the Federation without killing the Federation is that not the show? Well, that's why I think the show would have to morph which I'm not and I'm, I'm, not act, opposed to. I'm actually more I would rather them not have a live action Starfleet Academy show because one the way they portrayed Tilly and the cadets in Discovery has been abysmal really I didn't like that episode I thought it wasn't horrible no, but that but, could be just because I was comparing it to the rest of the season yeah so but I, I think the Discovery space needs to be killed off like like from second season when they 
at the end of the second season and they jump to the future, that needs to be called the the burn timeline, and that's not the main timeline. Because the stories and the storylines and the plot holes and the non-continuity and the you know all these things that make the show because the 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 reason in science fiction star wars star trek battlestar galactica firefly all very good to a large degree for the most part very good franchises in science fiction what makes it believable is the continuity and whether or not um the the leaps you have to make mentally because you know if what, what do we always say if a society is technologically advanced enough their technology appears to be magic to a society who is not so that that belief where you have to like the concept of the warp drive well what makes the warp drive believable is part of part of it is the technical techno babble mm-hmm. and the fact that the techno babble is consistent between show you know between every episode um, and between each series. And the same thing, the way, you know, they don't explain light speed or the way blasters work in Star Wars, but they're believable because they work the same way when you see them work. Yeah. You know, until they didn't in the what, the middle of the last trilogy where they... But that being said, that is important. It may not seem important, but it is very important because... Consistency makes helps you get outside of your of the belief in reality, and your mind can extend itself and imagine that this is the way it works. But when we have it go all flippity floppity, and it's not the same all the time. Like there's no way a a cadet in Starfleet Academy becomes the captain of the flagship in the course of two days in a movie. You know, so the 2000, that, that's, that's the least believable part of the 2009 Star Trek reboot. You know, the, what we call the Kelvin timeline, which Paramount is becoming very, very happy to forget. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you'll notice that that fourth movie is now off again. Yeah. yeah. Well, and Star Wars is doing the same thing. Yeah. They're, they're saying that, you know, the, because of the abysmal performance and everything, that the last three movies are not going to be part of canon. That's going to be the extended universe, which is where they threw the Thrawn t- trilogy and all the books. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, when does Ahsoka start? You know, it's not on the... Let me look. Because that's the show I'm super jazzed about seeing in the new year. So, um, if I could spell it right. Because, again, I am a Thrawn fan. I just read an article about Ahsoka. So one of the things that I, I, I don't know that it's been an... Has it not been announced? I thought it was announced, but... I was going to say, I thought it had a start date, but I couldn't, can't remember when it was. There we go. It's going to be another miniseries. But one of the things that they're talking about in Ahsoka is that they're trying to steal a Star Trek uh, trope which is there will be some sort of time travel so that Ahsoka can battle Darth Vader. And I'm not thrilled about that. Oh, March 12th is when it starts.
March 12th. Yep. But, you know, it, Star Wars is the Star We can switch now. We'll talk about Star Wars a little bit. You know, the, the whole Star Wars, um, there's been a lot of criticism um, of both the television Star Wars and the movies. But part of the criticism with the television show has been the book of Boba Fett ruined what could have been a great season three for The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, I question whether there needs to be a season two of the book of Boba Fett. You know, they also... The whole story of Cad Bane and, and uh, what's his face from Justified? Uh, 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 Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I forget his character's name, name already. Doesn't but matter. They killed him off too early. Yeah. And the whole ca- they killed Cad Bane off too early. Yeah. You know, and, you know, to a large degree, they, they made Boba Fett kind of an ineffective character, too. The thing, the best part of the, the book of Boba Fett show was the beginnings where he. After he escapes the Sarlacc pit, he gets saved by the the Tuscans, and so you learn a little bit more about the Tuscan people, and and you see that they changed Boba Fett by instilling some of their values into him. That I thought was great, but that lasted what an episode or two, and then the rest of Book of Boba Fett was about the Mandalorian until and and until the very end, which then it became the Mandalorian helping him kill Cad Bane, you know, yeah. but the. The whole Mandalorian getting a new starfighter, going and picking up Grogu and Grogu not staying with Luke Skywalker at the Jedi Academy, that that could have been a really good season three of The Mandalorian. So the question is, is what is Disney doing for season three of The Mandalorian? Is it going to be better? That it, it, well, you see, don't forget, you still have the whole... Mandalorian. Oh, I know. And, Bo-Katan storyline. And, and to that's finish. and that's coming back. We know that. Uh, Katie Sackoff. Katie Sackoff has has been cast for season three. But you know, a lot of people were disappointed with the Obi Wan story. I wasn't disappointed with the Obi Wan part of the story. I was disappointed with how they portrayed Princess Leia. Really, <laughs> I I. I I did not like, she wasn't, the problem was, is I really think the character needed to be, the Princess Leia character to tell the story needed to be like a young teenager or a tweenager mm. as opposed to being, she was a little too young. I thought she was a little too young and she needed to play a much more privileged, you know, thinking that she was privileged, uh, not as a rascally young kid. Now the, the other Part of that too is I think they should come back with the second season of Obi Wan and explore Luke's story. Yeah, because I think they by by setting him up on on uh, on Tatooine, everyone assumed this was going to be a, a Luke story. Yeah, and I think there are there there's still I like the fact that it actually was a Leia story. Oh, I did too. That was the nice twist that you kind of need to, to to pull people in for that that kind of a show, but I do think it does leave some some things open. Yeah, and we did get to see a little of Luke. No, but not near enough. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, and, you know, try to understand that Uncle Owen, Aunt Beru relationship to Ben yes, even better. exactly. Why is it so uh, contentious? Well, I think it's contentious because uh, from, the, from the Skywalker side of the family, so to speak, it's... Uh, this Jedi nonsense has been nothing but a, a disaster for them. Yeah. Yeah. So why would you trust them? Very true. Very true. But I think that's a compelling storyline because the only time that the Star Wars, the new Star Wars stuff has worked well has been when it's been bookended. Rogue One was a great show, but why? Because it was bookended by episode three and episode four in between. So, it, you know, it, it told a story in there. We haven't talked about Andor yet. Yeah. So, I really enjoyed Andor. Uh, it, the first two episodes, I was like, But huh. it's totally different than the rest of Star it, Wars. Exactly. Because it is very methodical and very slow moving. Even, it, you know, it, think about it. They didn't get into, like, there's, what, 12 episodes of Andor? Well, roughly. I think there was twelve, which is more two more than they usually do. Yeah, uh, and six more than they've done in like The Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett and Obi Wan and Ahsoka. <laughs> the, um, but it wasn't until the last two episodes that there was really any action. You know, but there was a really cool story being told in there. Several cool stories. Um. There was obviously Andor's story. And then there was the uh, the story of the deputy security chief. Yeah. Which they still haven't completely filled out. And then there's the story of the ISB agent. You know? It's a complex show. And, yeah. And, and I think that's... They've not done that complex of a show. Until Andor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, that, like, Mandalorian is like child's play compared to, oh, to yeah. Andor. Well, the, the thing is, the Mandalorian, it, it plays on a couple of themes. One, <clears throat> the Mandalorians have always been a fan favorite. <clears throat> I mean, Boba Fett, back in 77... The he wasn't even in the first movie, but they had made they knew he was going to be in the storyline, so they made an exclusive figure. When by the time Empire first came out, it, that the man you know Boba Fett was a legend, and then he's in like two scenes in Empire, and he becomes a fan favorite at that point. And I mean, think about it. There were some other really cool characters that were bounty hunters that they introduced in that. You had IG-88, you had Dengar, you had, uh, what Vosk. is it? Vosk. You had uh, 3LMO or something like that, the other other uh, droid. Know, droid bounty hunter. And yet none of them, IG-88 was popular, but none of the other ones became anywhere near what Boba Fett was like. <clears throat> that scene was kind of like the cantina scene in A New mm -hmm. Hope. You know, it was like, here's some throwaway characters. Let's see. Who, which sticks. Yeah. Who, who, We're going to throw these matters. guys up on the wall and see yeah. which one sticks. No, I agree. I agree. But, you know, the, then 
in Return of the Jedi when Boba Fett actually has a much bigger role to play. And, and think about it. He still didn't have more than three or four lines in the whole movie. And yet he still, I mean, there's legends and books and everything were written about Boba Fett after that. And then Clone Wars really made the Mandalorians popular because they went to Mandalore and they have, you know, start, Clone Wars and Rebels and, you know, all this, the animated series, they brought them more to life and, and you know, what is the Andorian culture or Mandalorian, Andorian, the Mandalorian culture, pink skin. <laughs> but, you know, like Bo-Katan was, is one of my favorite Mandalorian characters. And always has been. And so I'm happy to see her in more of it. Now, my understanding is season three, they're supposed to go to Mandalore and to see what the Empire has done to the planet. Which I think will be fun. Yeah. I mean, from, you know, talking fan service. Yes, absolutely. That will be fun. Well, in that story, you know. The and dark... I want to see how she winds up with the Darksaber. Yeah. Well, you know, and you have the whole story of the Darksaber and the fact that it was, you know, uh, you know, built by a Mandalorian Jedi and things like that. That to me, there's real, there's a lot of interest in that. So we'll see. And so let's talk about one other property that is near and dear to my heart, but I think they should have ended it after the third film, which is Indiana Jones. Uh, I'm struggling with that. I am too. I am too. Well, you know, it's kind of weird because um, one of my favorite series on is Yellowstone, which tells the story of the Dutton family. And so they did 1883, which was the beginning, how they got to Montana and the land that they had and all the trials and tribulations and hardships. You know, it's, it's a Western. I like Westerns too. Um, then... You have the Yellowstone show, which started it all, which is the Dutton family as they are today and what's going on and how they're trying to save their land and save Montana and, and all this stuff. But now you have 1923, which is in the middle, which stars Harrison Ford as a Dutton and Helen Mirren. That makes sense. 1883 to 1923, you know. But how... How do you play Indiana Jones as... I mean, how old is Harrison Ford? He's near 80. He's got to be 80. Well, it's... The wonders of the interweb will yeah, tell me... We had this amazing technology yeah. where we could just like look that up. Let's see. Versus biological or biographical information... <clears throat> okay, so he was born in 1942. He's 80 years old. Yeah. Yeah, I believe him running around uh, running around with a pistol and a whip and doing all the stuff he's going to have to do. Yeah. And, you know, and I I know that but in you the... You know, he's, he's, Indiana Jones is another one of those characters. Could you recast it? Sure. Could you reboot it? I'm positive. 
Would it be the same? No. Should it? No. no. Yeah. That's, to me, the... My beef with these things are, there's one thing for to do nostalgia and fan service kind of stuff, and then it's just like, now we're doing stuff because we can't come up with... New ideas. A new idea. Yeah. And it's different, too, because this is a movie franchise. This is not a right. television series where we can, you know, like... One of the, I don't know that Gene Roddenberry thought about it this way, but one of the advantages of the way he set up Star Trek was that Star Trek, oh, what Bill Shatner and all them get too old to do it. We can go to the next generation, or we can go to another well, ship. And that's what they tried to do with the Shia LaBeouf. The thing, yeah, they were trying to go but, with, but if you know that that's kind of like the whole DC issue. Bad, with, bad uh, casting. Yeah, recast him. Mm-hmm. Or. You know, they, they did the young Indiana Jones television series. Uh, and it wasn't with, bad. And it wasn't bad with River Phoenix. Why don't we reboot that? It would not make... It didn't air long enough, and most people don't r recognize yeah. it. Let's let's recast that and go there. How did Indiana Jones become Indiana Jones? You know, because the Indiana Jones story is... They were, you know, serial... Radio serials. And right. they became this you know phenomenal movie series because of Steven Spielberg um, I don't think people want to see it happen it, to me the crystal skull was mildly interesting in the very beginning just because you find out what Indiana Jones had done between mm, yeah you know the the beginning of World War II till then but the reality of it is is I don't want or, or yes because I mean, You'd have to recast somebody younger. Like they did a good job getting uh, what was the kid's name who did Solo. Uh, I agree with you. Get him and have him be Indiana Jones from after the Last Crusade till the Crystal Skull. You know where he worked for the OSS and and what was the stuff he was doing for the you know the U.S. Army uh, during World War II. Or let's go back and see how do pre. Raiders of the Lost Ark Indy, like the the Indiana Jones. How did he get there? What were the adventures he ended up going through in college before he was a professor that got him to become, you know, Professor Jones? Yeah. <clears throat> Any of those would be better than what they're doing. Yeah. I think they're they're like, what's gonna happen here is is Harrison Ford's gonna finish this and he's gonna be like, Okay, I'm done. And they're gonna be in the same boat that they were Yeah. And I just, unless it's just incredibly, incredibly well done, I don't see it. In You've a, been listening to Gizmo Sapiens, I mean, like a technology and entertainment yeah. podcast. Yeah, you know what I mean? You can but you know, us at our email even though, address at uh, gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S well, at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, but and we'll see you next week from the digital the flip side. Here is not that far, and they aged his character appropriately. You know, you can't do that. Exactly, because it's not believable that. Yeah. You know, and they also they did a good job writing it in to, to Top Gun Maverick that you should have been an admiral by now. Yeah. You know. Well, and I now view P 
Pete Mitchell kind of the same way as I do Jim Kirk. Yes. You know, Jim Kirk should have been an admiral well, long before, before he, he was an admiral, admiral. Yeah. and then should have been an admiral again before yeah. he became one again. No, I totally agree. And honestly, I felt the same way about Jean-Luc Picard. That uh, Janeway became an admiral before Picard is a travesty. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And simply not believable. I agree with that, too. Now, you do have to give... uh, Give Harrison Ford props. I mean, he's married to Callista Flockhart, who's 30 years younger than he is. <laughs> I give him props for that. But that doesn't make... And he's his, made it work. Yeah, but also it hasn't made his movies more They've believable as he got better. I mean, because that was the problem with the uh, the original... The first movie and the, the latest Star Wars reboot. You know... Was that the Han Solo character was not believe it was comical that he you know him running around being chased by space pirates yeah you know Chewbacca it doesn't matter Peter Mayhew there's it, enough makeup uh, exactly and, and he doesn't costuming speak, involved there and he doesn't speak English, English and, yeah yeah all of that I, I Chewbacca doesn't doesn't bother me Han Solo bugs me yeah yeah it's true all of it yep. So, as we round out the first 50 minutes of our podcast, (laughs) um, I want to move on to merchandising. Please do. So, uh, I collect, I've pretty much kind of downsized my collection. I have my original Star Wars and my original G.I. Joes and my my, uh, Mego Star Trek figures, which, I mean, I was young when those came out. I was like three years old when they started selling those because that's 76 is when they did the original Star Trek animated series. Um, but I've, I'm, I'm not, unless it's a classic, like an 80s Star, 70s Star, or 80s Star Wars figure, I'm not really adding to those collections. But I do buy and sell toys because if you're really into collecting the toys, you end up becoming a dealer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not a dealer in buying them from... But, you know, selling off extras or trading and and all this other stuff. And um, Playmates, I've got my hands on all of the new Playmates figures that are released. Your thoughts. So. Because I haven't seen them in in person yet. So I've I've only opened four of them. One of them I had no intention of opening, but when the figure got sent to me, the plastic bubble was not glued to the car. Uh. So it's great because I was able to just take it out. Right. Um, The sculpts are better on the figures than they were on the originals from Playmates. Again, low bar, but yeah. Low bar. They come nowhere close to the Star Wars black and G.I. Joe classified figures as far as quality of how they're made and detail and everything. But what's price point, though? They're $12.99 versus $19.99. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, seven bucks is seven bucks, but the it, but the seven bucks is worth it. Yeah. In, in the comparison, and you can a lot of times you can find particularly the Star Wars black figures because there's so many of them, and they they've Hasbro's produced 
so many of them <laughs> yeah. that you can a lot of times find them for $10 or less. Particularly of characters who are not as popular, like Lando Calrissian and Leah in her Ewok outfit, you can find them all over the place for for eight to ten bucks a figure. But the quality of those figures is so good, and, and so is the GI Joe classified figures. There's a lot of people who complain about the figures, but it's not because the quality of the figure is bad. It's because they, the Hasbro, it, Hasbro and Playmates. They do one thing to, that they both do that drives me absolutely nuts. And I know it's not all of it is their, their, uh, and in the Hasbro case with the classified GI Joes, it is a Hasbro thing because they created GI Joe. Marvel, they collaborated with Marvel to create the comic book, but the GI Joe figures were created first, the the newer ones. Um, Playmates, I know they're getting direction from Paramount, but like. There's 60, roughly 60 figures announced for the G.I. Joe Classified because they number all the figures uh, on the boxes, not the individual figures. Right. But there's like five Snake Eyes and there's three Baronesses. And I don't want, uh, there's like 20, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but there's an, a super number of Storm Shadows. I don't want those figures. Snake Eyes, the original Snake Eyes was my favorite. Snake Eyes. I hated Storm Shadow. I don't really care about the Baroness. One Baroness is good enough for me. I don't need six of them. Uh, but they reproduce a lot of the figures. Uh, and they're not. And the complaint that fans have collecting those figures, and, and the reason I bring this up is it's around Christmas when people are looking for these things, is that there's not, why didn't you make this figure or this figure or this figure? You know, we don't have a General Hawk figure yet. We're just getting the first officer uh, figure that well, first commission officer. They built Flint, which the Flint figure is beautiful. The Duke figure is excellent. The Scarlet figure is excellent. But you know, you have a first sergeant and a chief warrant officer as your command structure. You know, um, they're they're doing Falcon, uh, who is a a lieutenant. So we'll have our first officer. Yet on the Cobra side, they've made. The generic Cobra officers, the generic Cobra Viper officers. I mean, and, and but that's like the Stormtrooper Brigade. But but that's Star a, it's Wars. it's army building. You know, that's, usually usually you want to have a big enemy because I do. I have like eight yeah. bats and and a whole bunch of the others as part of my static display, and I only have nine GI Joes to battle them. Right. And one of them isn't even a GI Joe. He's a Valiverse uh, character who it does happen to be. He's my only officer. <laughs> But he's British, of course. But uh, he's British. But uh, you know, why are they they reproducing? Well, the same thing with the initial Star Trek figures from Playmates. It's I, I went a long way to get to my point, but again, the sculpts are better than the original Playmates figures. The the characters are in better proportion. The the Picard and Riker look like Picard and Riker. You know where they were kind of rounded and and you know had had uh, indistinct uh, sculpts, but the accessories are terrible still. Like the phasers still have the stupid <laughs> phaser beam. beam hanging off the front of them yeah. on the next gen figures, um, and they're a lot of the, the while the phasers are are the right scale, a lot of the other accessories are out of scale or they're the wrong ones. So like so I, I have all the figures. 
the only two new figures that they had never done before was Burnham and Saru. Saru. The Saru figure is beautiful. I will say that. Uh, Of all of them, it's the best figure and the best sculpt that they did. Um, But that being said, and, and also because those were new and they had different type phasers and everything, all of the accessories are the right sculpts. I think what they got lazy and part of what they did is they went back to the original sculpts and they used them for the accessories. It wouldn't surprise me. And because one of my complaints about, so I have four figures open. I, I originally, the only figures I could get a hold of, I tried to do the pre-order thing and my pre-orders kept getting canceled because it just went on and on and on. So I ended up Walmart had on the shelf one day, they had the wrath of Khan, Admiral Kirk, Captain Spock and Khan. Really? And so I bought two of each, one of each to open one of each to put in my, my uh, collection unopened. And so I opened those three and I've had them on my desk. The con, I actually think the con figure has a worse sculpt than the original. He's in better proportion, but they made the figure so that they could actually sit down correctly. Right. And his outfit does not conducive because they're still molding the figures out of hard plastic instead of making, you know, Art Asylum, uh, which is became Diamond Select, they were bought by Diamond Select, made the best Star Trek figures ever. And part of the reason they were so good is because the uniforms were rubber over the figure, articulated figure. So not only did it hide the joints, but it looked like real fabric and it laid like real fabric. And so when they sat down and stuff, they would, they, you know, it, the uniform would move and you could pose them to, you know, sit at the bridge consoles and everything else. Whereas the original Playmates figures, they kind of laid with their legs splayed open, you know, in the, in the console. And so the new figures actually sit down and stuff like that. But the con figure doesn't look right because his unit or his outfit is not, it's been modified to adjust. So this figure could sit down. Um, But like Spock came with the, you know, the radiation glove and it's made. So it'll go over his hand. That's also doing the, the uh, Vulcan salute. Mm-hmm. And so it's huge. <laughs> I mean, the glove is is hugely uh, out of scale. And Kirk comes with a communicator that one, Rathacon, just to be picky, Rathacon, they had flip open communicators, unlike Star Trek The Motion Picture, where they had the Apple Watch communicators. Yeah. And um, he comes with an Apple Watch like communicator that clips to his wrist. Um. No, because they had both models, although they, the Reliant was using the wrist model. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the scanner that Spock has, one is not a tricorder, but it's also this really weird shape. But even the phaser for the Riker figure, which is the only non-Rathacon figure I have up on, only because the package didn't come glued together. Um, but I have two of them. One was perfect and one was not. The... Uh, the, the phaser doesn't fit in his hand well. I, he has to hold it way up where the, it gets the bigger. And then it's not balanced because it has that stupid phaser beam coming off. You know? At least the phasers for the Rathcon figures look like the phasers. But why, why do they do it one way and the other? I, I just... For $12.99... For $5.99... You know, okay, $7.99 adjusted for inflation. I might be interested in putting up with that. But at twelve ninety nine a figure, I'm not. 
Well, and they're slightly off scale from the previous. Well, it's like the, stuff. Well, they too. are. They're bigger. They're they're By like a half, half inch. inch. Yep. So they're not one eight. What they should do. So, again, since I collect action figures and I sell them, you you learn all this stuff. So, one twelfth inch action figures are the like the twelve inch GI Joes, the big GI Joes that everybody remembers. You know, one eighteenth is a six inch action figure, and that's what the GI Joe classified. That's what the Star Wars uh, black action figures are. That's what the Marvel Universe figures are. They're all made by Hasbro, one eighteenth, and then. Um, the three and three quarter figures are the next size down, and that's one. I think it's like one twenty fourth or something like that. I don't remember. It's not quite. It's it wouldn't be one twenty fourth. It's like one twenty second scale or something like that. I, I I forget that because, but figures for a long time could be any scale until. Mego and Hasbro started making three and three quarter figures. And then it kind of got, because um, Mego started it with the, uh, actually the Chips figures. Mm -hmm. And then they also had some Cowboy figures too that they made in the late 70s. And then that kind of got codified into scale because Star Wars, when Kenner made the first Star Wars figures, they were three and three quarter inches too. And so in 82, when the first G the new G.I. Joe line came out, they became three and three quarter. And the reason those figures are that's a good size is if you're planning on having accessories and vehicles the vehicles can be small enough to package up uh but you can still easily get the figure in and out of the vehicle you get smaller than that and then it becomes more problematic particularly with a, a figure that has joints and everything else and <clears throat> so the original playmates figures were like five inches and the new ones are like six and a half inches so they're not they're well i guess they're five and a half inches or something like that they're not 118th scale so they're not the right size but the reason 118th scale is really good that six inch action figure is because you can get really really detailed with it and it's not like i hate to say it but it's not kids buying star trek figures no it's adults yeah and um I, i'm just highly disappointed with the exception of the Saru figure, they did a really good job. I haven't opened any of those because <clears throat> I'm not putting a Discovery figure on on display. I'm hoping the figures get better. The next group of figures are supposed to be the Prodigy figures. We're going to get a Janeway. Again, I don't need another Janeway, but we're getting a holographic Janeway, and then we're getting the cast. So those will at least be new figures. But, you know, I want Strange New Worlds figures. Yes. Yeah. You know? I, 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 Prodigy aside, maybe those will be geared for for kids. Yeah. I mean, I well, can, the we'll, thi we'll, the we'll thing is, we'll see how the I, prototype figures that I've seen, the doll and the rock and and all of those are much better detailed than the Picard and the Riker well, and the but Data. That's because you're trying to sculpt a cartoon versus yeah. a, a, an actual live action actor. I, that to me is, is but that's that's but again. Collectors who are collecting Star Trek figures will be willing to pay twenty to twenty-two dollars a figure, like GI Joe Classified or Star Wars Black, or if they're that much better detailed. Because, I mean, it's not like I sit around and I play with action figures. I display them because I enjoy looking at them. Yeah. And uh, 
<clears throat> and, and stuff. And if you look, the figures that are our most prominent display are my Art Asylum, Archer, and Trip Tucker. Because those are just phenomenally sculpted. And that's years ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But <clears throat> that's what I wanted to talk about in the figures. I, I'm just I'm just disappointed with it. I you know, I I was hoping we would get something that would compete with the the Hasbro figures. Well, because the problem there is Playmates has never has always been Well, I always thought it was a second a, fiddle that to those companies. Yeah, well, them. I thought it was a mistake giving them the license, frankly. Well, even if they would have just come back and said, okay, we're going to continue the line that we ran back in the 90s. Yeah. I could see that. Correct. Because there are there is a lot of nostalgia around well, those. But if you remember, even but, even in the ones from the 90s... But now the, to start over because the, the they're end, the same scale. Yeah. The end, remember at the end, they had... Three or four different scales of figures. They had the they had the bigger dolls that were like GI Joes, but they weren't quite one twelfth scale. And then they had figures that were one eighteenth scale that they did for Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Insurrection. And those were more detailed than the five five inch figures that they originally had. You know, I. You know, and, and if you watch, there's a Netflix series, I think I've mentioned it before, about the toys who made us. There is one for, they, they have an episode on He-Man, they have an episode on G.I. Joe, they have an episode on Star Wars, they also have an episode on Star Trek toys. And that whole evolution and how the first toys, or CBS would license Star Trek, that's why you, you ended up with like the hat with the siren, <laughs> yeah. you know, and... And the phaser that was also a disc gun mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. And, and also a lot of licensing that was for stuff that wasn't even related to Star Trek, like the parachute guys, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. But then Mego yeah. came in and they, they kind of revolutionized what went on and showed CBS that, look, this is hot and we can make some money off this. And then, you know, about, remember Galoob? Everybody forgets about the original TNG figures from Galoob. I liked them. I even though they were five point articulation figures, you know, five point articulation just means the arms, legs, and the neck moves, um, like the original Star Wars figures. They they were scaled correctly. They looked like the characters. They were three and three quarter inch action figures, so they fit in with your GI Joes and your Star Wars. So. That it kind of made sense because at that time G.I. Joe was still being made so you could take a Star Trek figure and put it in a G.I. Joe vehicle and it would fit. Yeah. And um, that was kind of the whole reason the industry moved to these standardized figure sizes so that kids could kids who were playing with toys could put the figures and reutilize them and they all looked to scale with each other and everything else. And uh, then they took it away from Galoob because there were some things that Gloob did that were like the, the original phaser was like bigger than, you know, the, the figure itself. Yeah. I mean that. Yeah. The toy, the toy of version the of the, yeah. The phaser was, was, was huge. Yeah. The same thing with the communicator. Yeah. I mean, it was what, it was almost four inches across. If At you least, put it. Yeah. yeah. But so they gave it to, to playmates who in, in playmates defense, I will say this. They did the the props. Yeah, the props were amazing. Were were they're not amazing compared to Art Asylum? Well, Art Asylum they made a prop that was a had. toy 
They're, they made a prop that was toy that was so screen accurate they used it in. Fair <laughs> But their their props were to scale. Now the problem I have with the Playmates props now that I've become more discerning as a collector is that they didn't hide the screw holes and all that to keep to put it together. But for the most part, because they did make a new a new uh, uh, original Star Trek phaser, and it's the right scale and it it makes noises and lights up and it i mean it's a it's a convincing if you wore it to cosplay nobody would laugh at you for that and the ships playmates did a phenomenal job on the ships that they were all to scale together well not completely but they were they were accurately detailed and things like that and they were really they they were the first ones to say hey let's put real stands on these because people are going to display these not play with them and uh, they did a good job on that. But as far as the figures went, they, they were all over the place. And The play sets were not that bad. No, the play sets weren't terrible. Uh, but the, the other funny thing about the Playmates uh, line was, which also received... I, I, I don't criticize this at all. I think it was smart. But I criticize them now because they're doing the same thing that Hasbro does. I don't need another Picard, Riker, or Jory. You know, in, in their TNG third season uniforms with their TNG third season accessories. But it's a half inch taller than, than the original figure. And I don't, I don't really need the Wrath of Khan ones, but I have any figure in a Monster Maroon is... Yeah, I'm is, the same way. I, they can make that in every inch. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm, I'm going to have it. I'll be a sucker. And so, but I don't want another... Card Riker, and I have feeling that because this relates back to the whole story thing, that this is we're going to see that again. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Mainly because here's the other thing that kind of bugs me about these 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 releases. It's usually like six or eight figures, and now that we have fifteen shows to choose from, yeah, they're picking the same six or eight figures. It's over and over. Never, or over yeah, and over. yeah, it's it, we're we're never gonna get to the, but to the good that stuff. was one of the complaints that people made, and actually the complaint was it was hard to complete your playmates collection, yeah, because they made so many figures and they made figures that only had, and, and they're not the only ones. Kenner did the same thing, with the original Star Wars line. They made figures that might have had sixty seconds or less of screen time, but that's awesome because they made a figure for everything. Yeah. You know? But then make a figure for everything. Exactly. Exactly. Cover all the main figures first, and then... But I, I really think if they want to do it right, they need to do the sculpts much, much better than they're doing. Much more detailed. The, the other thing that, that has always bugged me about the Star Trek figures is they've never released any, like, generic background figures. Yeah, like, just give me a male and female human Andorian and Vulcan uh, in all three of the uniform, uniform types. types. Yeah, exactly. And call it a or, day. Or do like G.I. Joe Classified and sell, because they, they did the Cobra Viper and Cobra, you got two Cobra Vipers and a Cobra Viper officer as a three-pack. Yeah. So sell them as a, as a three-pack or, or six-pack of, you know, here's science, and you get one Vulcan, one male Vulcan, one human Vulcan, one human, or one male Andorian, and, and and the same thing, one of each of the females, 
and have it, okay, here's your science crew. That way you can, because now, because that's the way it works in collecting all the other stuff, like the Valiverse figures. They have generic figures to fill out your army, your good army and your bad army. Uh, that's why they build the, the G.I. Joes, build all the, the, uh, the uh, Cobra ones that are just generic figures. Because you can buy, you want 15 of them, you know, you have 15 of them. Um, even G.I. Joe originally at, with Hasbro created the Steel Brigade figure later on so that the Steel Brigade was your generic G.I. Joe trooper, you know, so that you could army build. And uh, the collectors love to do that because what's more impressive is when you're building a diorama and, you know, you can have lots of characters being displayed, you know, it looks real. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to talk, quit talking the pop culture stuff. I was going to talk about a couple other things in between, but we went for an hour and 12 minutes on this. Wow. <laughs> so I want to finish this up with one last thing, uh, mainly to kind of talk through this, but kind of understand what you're, you've, you're thinking. And so, you know, since we've last podcasted, Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, Twitter as the CEO. And, he, you know, I think he's struggling with it in many ways. Um, he's done some great things like releasing the, the what we're calling the Twitter files, showing that, you know, U.S. federal agencies were, were paying Twitter to censor information during elections and, and all kinds of things that are really against uh, free speech. And not only free speech, but free political speech, which is protected speech people don't understand that uh just so you know if you get a political phone call and you've uh you've asked to be put on the do not call list they don't have to put you on that call list because that political phone call is a protected speech right and um that's been great but on the flip side he's he's also been a hypocrite about certain things like some reporters talked about people who were following, uh, following him, and so he banned the reporters. I, and I do understand there's a level of fear there, mm -hmm. but I also think, Elon, you're not doing enough. Your security team is not doing enough to protect you if people are, can find that data super easily. Well, I think there's a difference between just, like, following people and, well he, he was saying they, people. yeah he was saying they were doxing him by revealing his location i think that's much more nuanced than that well one the reporters were just reporting on but something me, else the shade and fraud from uh seeing him use their tactics against it's them, them. Is, oh yeah it's worth it to me personally now, oh absolutely absolutely i do feel a little different about that but yeah Personally, I, oh, I, mean, I, I think there, it's, it's, it's super fun. I, yeah, there's a level of satisfaction that you get from reading about it. I mean, yeah. it's a catharsis to me. It really is. But, it, you know, I, I do see the, the hypocrisy in some of it. I also see that you – I think what a lot of this is, is showing is how damaging social media is to a large degree. Um, you will get no argument here. You know – uh, but again, social media is a tool. It's what you do with the tool that determines what's good and bad. But like any anything, 
the internet is a great tool in general. It's what our culture has done with that tool that makes it good or bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and part of the problem, you know, people who are in the spotlight, you know, I've always said I want to be a multi-billionaire, but I don't want anybody to know that I am. I I live in a shack even though I have billions of dollars just so people don't realize that I have the money. I, I want to be an anonymous billionaire. And the problem with people like Elon Musk is personality-wise, um, he is. A lot of people compare him to the Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, but I think Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, even though they're public figures, have there was a lot of their lives that were they they left anonymous. This is my family life, and this is you know this is the stuff that relates to my business because that's what until recently that's what. Bill Gates did. It was just business stuff. Right. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a Bill Gates fan. No, no, no. I, but, I'm following you. But they, they're, it, it's anonymous. A lot of the stuff that goes on with, with a lot of these public figures, even in tech, like Mark Zuckerberg and, and Elon Musk and, and stuff like that, is that they have embraced the instant recognition of social media and so they feel compelled to reveal a lot more information than they should in a reasonable manner and then they're mad or caught off guard because people have taken that information and they've we we used to when i worked for the air force we used to have an issue with with what we call classified by compilation so you could have an email and, and i'm teaching everybody on the internets about this now but you could have an email that said that, um, you know, the 441st Infantry Battalion uh, is being deployed. And then you'd have, and that was unclassified. And then you could have another email saying that uh, the 441st Infantry Battalion was um, in Europe. But if I put the deployed and the location together, that now became classified. Seems stupid, but that's exactly what a lot of the information people are putting together is, it's not even AI or ML algorithms generating this data, it is people going, with common sense going, well he tweeted that he's just landed at at Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, and then he tweeted we just landed at 5.41 p.m. Well I now know that at 5.41 p.m. he's at Hartsfield-Jackson Airport in Atlanta. You know, and so people are putting those two things together and and posting them. That's not doxing. Doxing is where Elon Musk lives at 444 Musk Avenue in Los Angeles, California, 90210, or Beverly Hills, California, 90210, and he is there right now. Everybody go. You know, that's doxing. That's publishing, you know, personal information of where people live and all that. But you're, when you're putting the information out yourself, I, I don't feel too sorry for you. <laughs> not only, not only uh, do I uh, think that's... And, and don't right. get me wrong, I think Elon Musk and I could be friends. Oh, I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, uh, but I would be like a good friend, as you know well know, I would go, you're being stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... It, it's for me. It's, that's the same sort of thing that with the paparazzi and any celebrity. Exactly. You know, 
when when the culture makes it uh, when you're a, when you're a person of, of of interest of interest yeah thank you uh, there will be people who will go follow you and take pictures and and report on you that's that's, that's what it is and, and you know being so vocal and his current political uh, and activism I don't, I don't even think he's a Republican I think he's just he's just a moderate yeah. he's a moderate he sits in the middle. He does. He is a small L libertarian. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think he's a big L libertarian. No, he's not a big L libertarian. But, uh, but yeah, you, you he's, know, he's going to take off people on both sides. The, of the, the thing is, you have to do is, is and he's not an idiot uh, no, he's a by, guy. by any means. But the thing that I think a lot of people forget to do is when they, they make a snap decision, and don't get me wrong, I've made many snap decisions during my life. But they make a snap decision that there's a failure to go back and look at what decision you made and go, I was wrong in making that decision. If he would get on Twitter and he goes, okay, I overreacted to this. It was not the right move. This is really what I believe. So I unbanned so-and-so or I, you know, but I do have issues with this, this, and this, and I'm going to personally make sure that I'm not revealing this information, you know? Now, part of the problem with revealing that information is, He's one of these people who has the ability to fly a private jet everywhere he goes. I can look in a flight tracker as long as I know what his call, the jet's call signal is, which, by the way, is printed on the tail of the jet, um, so it can be identified visually at any airport in the United States. <laughs> um, if, I, if I have that information, I can f get into... There's an app for, for iOS called Flight Tracker. I can get in there... I can put that in, and I can find out what his itinerary is. I mean, that uh, you know that that is public information. So just uh, just be aware. It, it's just like the when Kathy Griffin. I mean, she's. I think she's a moron anyway. Uh, not because of. I, I disagree with her political leanings, but I just think she's a moron. But you. You know, we talk about free speech and what's protected speech and what isn't. Well, one thing is you cannot threaten anybody um, with physical harm or death. And so she was all mad about the fact back in 2016 when the uh, Secret Service came and paid her a visit because she had made threats and posted them on YouTube uh, to the sitting president at the time. Well, you can't do that. That's not protected speech. I can't. You know, and and within the United States and, and other English-speaking European cultured countries, we we've gotten to the habit of saying, "I'm going to kill you." Yeah. Which is really we we shouldn't, <laughs> because when it, there's no way to determine uh, from a, a legal standpoint whether you meant it or not, you know, or in what way you meant it when it was told, and so. But that is not protected speech. You can get arrested and go to jail on suspicion of, of assault for just saying that. It's just like uh, this happened back in the 70s. Uh, but my dad, back when he first got out of college, early 70s, well, late 60s, he had a student. He was teaching high school. He had a student who drove by another student's house, and they had a BB gun. It was not loaded. But as they drove by, he pointed the gun at the other guy. They were the two kids in the car were arrested for assault, 
because they didn't know that it wasn't a deadly weapon. Yeah. And they didn't know it was unloaded. It looked like a gun. You know, you can't just wave a gun around. And that's still true today. Um, we've just lost a lot of common sense, I think. Well, part of that comes from being um, an instant gratification culture and a very litigious culture. Mm -hmm. Put those two things together and common sense just goes right out the door. Well, on that high note, <laughs> uh, we want to wish everybody who listens a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year or Happy Hanukkah, because I guess Hanukkah started today, or yeah. was it last night? Uh, last night, I think. Last night. Um, but a happy holidays for everybody. We will see you in the new year, and on that note, we're closing off the digital flip side for 2022. to Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side.